Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast brought to you from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to episode 39. It's great to have you uh, back with us. My name's Gary, one of your hosts, and I'm joined as always by the, some would say, I know he's called me the better looking host, but I'm going to counter argument that and say that in my opinion, you know, he's like the face. If we did a marketing campaign, He's the guy that would be on the front. You know, I'm the guy at the back fiddling with the switches and making all these cool. He's the guy up front. The irreplaceable, as I mentioned before. Mr. Mark Asquith, how are you, buddy? Different faces, different moods. So, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, what you'll not recognise as a listener, and it's now 12 minutes past four, and those previous 12 minutes have been filled with the office banter, uh, which didn't make it into this week's recording, which is probably a good thing. Something that we should have learned from all the other 30-something other episodes. Don't put the office unit into the episodes. Because it's a Star Wars podcast. But otherwise, I'm good. And I'm definitely going to make a lot more like office jokes as well, so I'm not even going to apologise for that. Um, but I'm good, man. I'm good. Just got over this badass flu, which whooped me. Um, so I'm like fighting fit, fully fighting fit now, uh, which is which is nice. So yeah, yeah. I've been to the gym twice. So I'm ripped, uh, which is difficult, you know, difficult being ripped. Um, and just, yeah, chilling, got myself a brew and, you know, living life to the fullest. Yeah, you've seen the vibe, yeah. Chilled out. Yeah. I brought that in, actually. So, uh, Speaking of which, do you want to get some batteries for Billy the Big Mouth? <laughs> yeah, just get out a bit of cash, it's all good. <laughs> Can't put a price on comedy. <laughs> That's the woman saying it. Finally. Anyway. Crikey. I'm right. good, mate. <laughs> Before we recorded, we were absolutely cracking up. And we were like, right, this is a dangerous road. Let's just stop it. And now, look, we're in. What is it? Two minutes. Game over. Oh, dear. dear Anyways. Dear, dear. How are you, mate? Anyways. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. it's. Um, I haven't watched The Office in a while, but I might do now, just to get it out of my system for another few hours. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm good. It was. Uh, I was kind of dried up on, on Star Wars movies and stuff, but the other day, the lad was like, Dad... Can we watch The Force Awakens? Which kind of hit me out of the blue because he's a bit of a Star Wars fan, but he's not like, he doesn't really, he will never say, can we watch a Star Wars film or can we watch Rebels or something? It's always me like dragging him or the family to the cinema or to watch whatever. But he was like, no, he's like, I've been playing Battlefront 2 recently. I'm into Star Wars at the minute. Let's get The Force Awakens on. I'm like, right, let's do it. So that was really cool. That was my little sort of bit of Star Wars, because I haven't really read much recently, and I've finished Fallen Order, haven't picked up Battlefront for a couple of weeks, so that was cool, just have a little bit of Star Wars uh, going on in the house, which is good. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I like the yeah. sound of that. I've not done a Fallen Order yet, I've not finished it yet, I've not had a chance to play it with not being well, but I saw on your, on the gram, 
that you'd finished it. So yeah, d- decent, decent little plot. I know we'll probably dig in and do a review later, but what you know, what say you as your first thought? Yeah, it's a it's a very very well done uh, game in terms of story narrative. Uh, the best thing about it is uh, you've probably seen uh, a few. Uh, reviewers mentioning this but you don't play like this op really powerful just blowing everything up and force powering everything you're kind of in your learning phase still because you you survived order 66 but you haven't completed your your training so you're still going through the motion so that's really cool and then technically it's a really lovely looking game and it plays really well and it's got that exploration part of it as well which is great a lot of people thought it'd be very linear and just a to b but you can go off and try and find lots of chests and secrets and stuff. So yeah, it's a really, it's, it's really worth investing in trying to complete it. Um, cause the ending's very cool. I, I don't know if I should say any spoilers or if anyone's seen it, if we're in spoiler territory still, no. but the ending is, no. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially that. Yeah. But it's very good indeed. So just waiting for the next oh. Star Wars game now. So yeah, I'm yeah. To, you know, getting to Battlefront again, get the scores up on that again. What's the replay value like on Fallen Order? Um, not too bad if you're the sort of gamer that likes to sort of up your difficulty levels. So there's nothing's going to change. Like in some games, they do this thing called Game Plus mode. So when you finish the storyline, you go back and start again, but you've got all of the stuff that you unlocked. Mm-hmm. So they, they've, they're not doing that because in order to access certain parts of the level, you need to level up your skills and stuff. So it, w- it would throw that out of kilter a little bit. But if you're like, challenging yourself and you just want to up the difficulty level um then it's cool from that respect it's it's really hard as well even on like some of the easier difficulty levels you die a lot so uh, if you want to challenge yourself I it's thought, good but yeah thought that was just me that i was just dying a heck of a lot like even in the early yeah. days i'm like shall i do zeppo or dathomir dathomir because look cannon stuff and i'm like yep yeah. oh look mm. at that i'm dead again but that's, that's great news and uh yeah and then what i love about it is it pops up at the bottom it's like you know when it's reloading it's like oh just heads up heads up like not saying this because you need it but heads up you can if you want change the difficulty at <laughs> any time and you're like do you know what xbox eat just eat crap get out of my face because <laughs> it's like it's good in you yeah sure like what you're trying to say that i'm crap yeah all right well, then. You just just because i can't make a basic jump <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's you that's wrong. It's the software that's wrong. The game's glitchy. I'm sending it back. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. About halfway through, when you unlock the double jump, that's solid gold. Yeah, it's yeah, a jumping. Kieran said that. Yeah. I've not d- not done it yet. Kieran said it was pretty sweet, though. Yeah, jumping before that bit is really tedious. But when, when you unlock the double jump thing, it's it's a lot easier getting around the level and stuff. But yeah, great game overall, dude. Yep, can't wait for the next one. I'm sure they're working on a sequel or another Star Wars game. So it's going to be all yeah, good. Yeah, makes total yep. sense. Yes. I look forward to that, man. I'll, uh, I should sit down and play it, really. Uh, and really, really, like, nail it. It was one of those things, like, over Christmas, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I'm going to smash this, then got ill. And I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to smash my bed. It's going to be great. And just <laughs> lost all that kind of, you know, that, that <clears throat> excuse me, almost like the protected gaming time that you have over Christmas. As a yeah. geek, you like booking, like, two or three days where you think, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to smash out some gaming or some books or whatever. Um, speaking of which, I just finished... So I finished the Plagueis book, um, and then I've just finished, you know, The Secrets of the Jedi. Did you see that um, on pre-order? Oh, the coffee table um, style kind of Jedi book. Or is this a different Dude, book? it's so disappointing. Oh, no, really? It is so, because I ordered it, and it was like, oh, we're, now we can't get this. This is Amazon. I'm like, huh, if Amazon can't get it, like, <laughs> there must be some kind of universal crisis. So 
it finally came unexpectedly, and it's a lot thinner than you think. And it's written from the perspective of Luke Skywalker and connects all the different movies right up to the beginning. In fact, it leads up to just pre-sacrificing Last Jedi. Um, and dude, like it says on the cover, Secrets of the Jedi, and there is not one secret in it. <laughs> it's just literally... Is it a clickbait? Here's, yeah, exactly that. It's like book bit. It's just, <laughs> here's all the stuff from the other films. You're like, oh, all right, but that's... Yep, seen the other films. What's the point in this? So it's the first book that I've read in Star Wars lore that if you're a fan, stay away from it. There's nothing new in it. What it is good for is, I reckon, introducing kids to it. Like, okay, you've seen Star Wars. You've maybe watched it a couple of times. Like, go and keep this thing because there's, like, bits of interactivity and all that sort of stuff. Um, But it's just, it's almost like they just half cut it. They're like, nah, we'll just leave it there. You know, like Elf. Was like, who's going to notice two, two misprinted pages or two non-printed pages? And he's like, yeah, just sign it off. Like, it's like, that's what they've done. Yeah, we don't need to put that other stuff in. Just leave it. They'll still buy it. Big disappointment, dude. Oh, dude. Because the artwork oh, well. looks really nice and stuff. The presentation looks looks nice. Well, the press is really good. And the artwork is is very nice. Like, the illustrations are nice. Um, and some of the interactivity stuff's kind of nice. You know, the uh, you know it pops out like a little holocron. You've got little pull-outs of um, different types of lightsaber, the explanation of the Night Sisters, and uh, the explanation of um, the Inquisitors. So it, it, does, it does a decent job of, like, pulling together all of the Jedi stuff from all the material. But if you're a true, you know, if you're a true kind of digging and, and, you know, like you and me, you watch the cartoons and you don't even need to have read any of the books, really. It's just, okay, here's everything that's ever been on screen. Um, I, I just like they've missed a trick, you know? Right, I see. So it's everything that's in the mainstream. There's, there's nothing really sort of substantial beneath that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. Pretty much, dude. And it's, it's almost like... They should have waited until after Rise of Skywalker and then done, right, here's everything from all the sagas. Right. Because it doesn't right. cover, like, force healing or any of that stuff. So you, it's like one of those those awkward, like, DC Comics anthologies that you know are going to be out of date in, like, a year when they're changing origin or introducing a new villain. You're like, ah, oh, come on. If you'd have just... You'd already delayed it by two months. Had you just delayed it a further two months it would have been far, far superior because it would have been, okay, here's, I am Luke Skywalker. This is my journal, end-to-end, full-on. Here's the sitch. But I don't know. I might just be being too cynical. I don't know. But just felt a bit let down with it. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to stick on the old bonfire, isn't it? You're getting a, you know, I'm going to burn the sacred Jedi text off the coffee table. Exactly. Yeah, just toss that in as well. Stick that in there. Anyway, but that's been the week in Star Wars, bro. Um, week so what we got this week? What's coming up? What we got? What's going on? Yeah, week in Star Wars. So we've got uh, a bunch more uh, of news articles to go through. We've got four or five uh, bits there. We've got some random discussion around Rise of Skywalker and uh, its job, uh, well, Disney's job in reviving Star Wars potentially. And if we've got time, we've got uh, a cheeky little chat for the random spotlight. Uh, Before we crack on with all that stuff, though, remember to give us a sub on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. You'll find us on there or head over to sparkofrebellion.com. You'll find links on there to go off to the various podcast networks. And if you like what we do here, head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion show. You can uh, no, sorry, patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. 
Uh, you can uh, hit us up on various tiers there. You can find us uh, from a dollar upwards. Uh, so yeah, if you like what we do and you want to give us some support, that's the place to do that. And thank you so much to our uh, patrons who already support us. That's very, very cool. Right. Uh, first bit of news. Uh, apparently there was a, a leaked uh, scene, uh, sorry, a leaked uh, news uh, story that covered a, a cut scene from the rise of, of Skywalker that if it had been left in the film, apparently it would have appeased loads of fans and would have made the film infinitely better. I'm not sure how true that is, depending on your view on this, on this stuff, but here it goes. Uh, apparently JJ drafted in Hayden Christensen, Samuel L. Jackson, and Ewan McGregor got them dressed up in their Jedi robes and stuff and filmed a scene with them as Force ghosts. And uh, apparently the three actors were there. They shot this scene. They had it all done. Uh, but it was ultimately cut from the final film. But there, some of the dialogue from those scenes featured uh, uh, in, in, in the film eventually. Um, so this is fairly huge, dude. I mean, we... we mentioned um in the run-up to the rise of skywalker that was hayden going to be in this were they going to include anakin as a as a force ghost as a jedi not as sith or vader or anything like that and then we also commented that we wanted more in the ways of um bringing force ghosts into it and how they would react to you know the 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 the, the physical realm people and how that was all going to kick off and stuff so this is potentially huge um having those characters uh, feature in the film. So uh, me personally, I would have loved to have seen this. I think this would have been amazing. And a, a bit of news that we, we're not going to cover because it's quite, it's more of a rumor than anything, but apparently um, there, there's something called the JJ cut of the film where JJ's got his own uh, version of it, which, you know, if that ever sees a light of day, which I don't think it will, but it could be in there, but I don't know, man. I think this would have changed things up substantially, dude. Would you have been up for this? I think it's all by guarantee to have been filmed. Um, I think when you look at the evidence, the fact that, you know, to get Sam L. Jackson in to do a bit of VO stuff, uh, a bit of voiceover stuff, it's just as much effort to stick him in front of a green screen that was already there and stick his robes on. You know, you're not you're not getting him in prosthetics, are you? Um, <laughs> You know, it's easy. Ewan McGregor with the Obi-Wan series coming up, it's all by, you know, it's all by obvious that the marketing team would want that. And then when you think about Christensen being pulled from the panels and all the Disney World stuff that they pulled out, uh, all the photos and stuff that we saw, I, I think, and especially when you consider the other news story that we're going to cover in a bit about uh, about The Rise of Skywalker, I think it's guaranteed pretty much that this was filmed. Um and I think it would have been huge because there, there are two two reasons that I say that. Um, the two reasons that I say both of those things, that it would have been huge and it's almost guaranteed to have been done. The first reason is that this whole the whole point of this was to tie together the, the, the nine movies. And The Rise of Skywalker, when you look at it, I've I seen it again this week, um, and I watched The Last Jedi again, and it just didn't do that. It mm -hmm. just did not do that. Apart from the Emperor, it didn't do what they set out to achieve, which is to tie together the nine films. It didn't. Luke Skywalker is reduced to just someone saying, yep, sorry, my bad, there's an X-Wing. Crack on. Go get back in the fight. Um, and obviously, Leia, we had to, 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 to work around Carrie Fisher's death, but it just didn't do what it set out to achieve. And then the second thing that 
I think is 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 pure fodder for this being an almost guarantee is that Kevin Smith said that the last scene would melt his mind and JJ told him that there is nothing at all in the last uh, in the last few scenes of the Rise of Skywalker that melts your mind. Spoilers, even the Tatooine stuff. Spoilers, even <laughs> the voices of the Jedi's Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. There's not like, nothing that is going to melt your mind. No, no. So I, I agree. Th- to that end, I think it. W- I think it's not about guarantee that this has been filmed. Uh, and yeah, dude, I'd have been well up for that because Star Wars, the main saga, you know, according to the big man. Uh, has always been Anakin's story, uh, but told from the perspective of other people throughout history. And, you know, the the last three films didn't do anything to move that story along. So, I, yeah, I'd have been up for this, dude, and I think, it's a, I think it's fairly certain that this exists. I think so, yeah. I think in the sequel trilogy, they kind of relied on Anakin's story to kind of flow through Kylo, he was like the mm-hmm. he sort of took he you know took the baton and ran with that stuff, um, which is a shame really because apparently the scene that these force ghosts would have appeared in is the scene where Ray is facing off against the Emperor and you've got all of the Sith, um, the, what are they called? The Sith, the Sith Eternals, Eternals, you know, surrounding. Apparently, um, Anakin and and and. Uh, Windu and and Obi Wan were, were going to turn up and they were going to create like this kind of force barrier. Uh, to sort of hold all of those guys off while Ray's doing her thing with, with the Emperor, that would have been so amazing, really good. So, and I was fully expecting that yeah. as well. Sorry to jump in, but I was when I was watching the movie, I was fully expecting that scene with Luke and Leia involved as well, because Ryan Johnson put the groundwork in for it by making Yoda have the ability to affect not only the lightning but also the <clears throat> Skywalker. You know, giving him a clatter <laughs> on the head. You know, he, he did, the, did the groundwork for it. And then JJ or, you know, whoever it was at Disney, whether it's JJ or not, were like, nah, we'll not bother with this. So, I, I yeah, I, I, that would have been such a sweet-ass scene, dude. Yeah. No, it would, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And uh, this Twitter user, BSK, uh, the king, uh, has also put, like, a, a few um, little snippets. He's basically disappointed with the end and basically said, look, if these things would have happened it would have been a lot better. So along with the scene with the force ghosts, uh, apparently the scene at the end with Kylo and Ray was meant to be a lot longer with a lot more dialogue. And, uh, and also, um, uh, there was the, the thing with, um, uh, as, as they were going through, um, their scenes together, Kylo and Ray, there was meant to be a bit more, something about his past, a bit more sinister, that he hadn't told Ray. So there's a bit more of a backstory there. So the final payoff was meant to be a lot more satisfying because Mm -hmm. his turnover to the light side was meant to be even more of a sort of personal accomplishment and stuff like that. So yeah, it's interesting, dude. I think I I really can't see Disney doing this JJ cut because they just don't do that. They they will never backpedal and say what we gave you was kind of okay, but JJ has got this much better version because it's basically just, it's an admittance of, not failure, but an admittance of, you know, not doing the best that they could do. So I can't see them ever doing this JJ cut, but uh, it's one of those mythical things, I suppose, that's going to be around for, for donkeys of years that people are going to cry out for. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, what what makes it onto the deleted scenes as well? Mm. You know, oh, that's true. the question, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and if you start to be able to piece that together, I don't know. It's a shame, isn't it? Because, you, you know, I, I watched The Rise of Skywalker again, and, and I know we'll get to this later, but nah, man. As a swing and a miss. 
I'll read you. Yep. Uh, moving on. Jar Jar Binks is going to make a return, apparently. Apparently. Again, this is not confirmed. This is just uh, some rumour, but in the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series from Disney+, Plus, uh, we're not going to see some of the big sort of... Yeah, he is a fairly big character, I suppose, but we're not going to see any of the bigger sort of influential people. But apparently, uh, Obi-Wan's going to cross paths with the, our favourite Gungan in the, his own TV series. Now, I can't really see a problem with this, mate. I know Jar Jar's got a reputation and stuff, but I think if there's an opportunity to to see a little bit more of him and maybe, maybe a little bit of redemption, hopefully, because... Uh, it's really sad what ultimately he ends up doing, uh, his, his ending, really. He, he was a big part of the story. And uh, so, yeah, maybe we'll see a bit more a bit more redemption for him. But I know a lot of people are going to complain about this just because it's Jar Jar. Yeah. yeah, I agree, dude. And I'm with you on it. I think it's quite nice. I think the fact they're bringing Ahmed Best into the fray a lot more, you know, it's like, it's like they did with Christiansen. And they're like, oh, look who's back. Guess look, he's doing the Disney thing and the panel thing. And, oh. No, actually, take that back. You know, take that back. But with Ahmed Best, it feels like that's what they're doing. It's like, guess who's back? Guess who's doing the Jedi Temple run thing and, you know, the little TV show thing. And I think it's quite nice because he was only... Jar Jar was only mentioned in uh, Wendig's third Aftermath novel as basically being a homeless street entertainer that befriends a kid. And he's just saying, you know, it, it was basically a look. I totally screwed up. You know, I, it was me that granted the power to the Emperor and blah, 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 blah. It was my bad. I'd either been manipulated or it was all part of the plan or whatever. And I, I do think it would be nice in the Obi-Wan kind of narrative because they always had, a, always had a decent relationship. You know, he was there from day one with Obi-Wan. You know, when this saga started, he was there. And he, like you said, he regardless of what you think of him, he played some very serious parts. And he and Obi-Wan always had a very, just very amiable and friendly relationship. Um... And I think it would be interesting to see how that how that would pan out when you see an Obi-Wan that is now on the run and you see a Jar Jar that knows that that's down to him and how that relationship is. It's like, he's almost one of the key characters outside of Anakin and Yoda and obviously Qui-Gon from the prequels that Obi-Wan probably could have a decent relationship with in terms of, you know, the back and forth and, um, and, and, and an exploration of how that relationship is these days. So I'm curious about that and he's, and he's going to have a beard. You know, so obviously it'll be a lot sexier. Everybody's sexier with a beard. Exactly. That's why we try and grow them. Well, prefer a flan. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so yeah, apparently Cha-Cha's got a beard, a bit of a... A lot of people are calling it the, uh, the beard of shame because that's what Luke did when he ended up on... Um, what's it called? The Actor. place... Actor, yeah. Uh, so in his downtrodden, depressed state, the thing you do, I don't know what this says about us, but apparently that's when you grow a beard. So anyway, Jar Jar's got a bit of a beard and he's kind of, uh, yeah, by the sound from the description, it sounds like he's he's having a bit of a, a crappy time. You know, like you said, he's ends up as a bit of just a street urchin, really, a bit of an entertainer. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, he's all, uh, yeah. A lot of blame is on his shoulders, I suppose, with what happened, um, which is not directly his fault. You know, he's just being Jar Jar, I suppose. But um, yeah, we, sh we shall see what happens. But like you, very interesting to see 
Uh, and to be honest with you, mate, I reckon that this is going to be a really good positive thing for the Obi-Wan series because, like we've mentioned many times, the the prequel era is actually getting a lot of love these days. And a, a lot of those characters and elements from the story, people were kind of crying out for you know, little little bits of those to be included in the sequel trilogy. So I think if you can plop little bits like that into these Disney Plus series, it's going to be really good. So I'm interested as well as you are, dude. I think it's going to be a, could be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, right, moving on. Uh, we have, uh, so the, uh, as we know, before um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy uh, pleaded uh, with JJ to come back and, and, uh, and direct uh, The Rise of Skywalker, um, she actually had the guy that directed uh, the Jurassic World movies to do a, a take on the script. So Colin uh, Trevorrow, she drafted him in to do a to do a take on the script, and um, uh, but things went a little bit uh, tits up with him. She ended up basically just hoying him out the door um, because I assume the you know the good old creative differences thing reared its ugly head, and. Um, uh, and then they got in JJ and they change a load of things and stuff like that. Now there's a load of stuff. So they've, it's come to light all of the stuff that, that Colin would have put, um, in the, in the script. And there's loads of, uh, I can't go through all of it. There's so much, but essentially it would have been a very, very different film. So just, uh, they've put the, the text for the opening crawl, which is really interesting. So in the current one, it's got the, the dead speak, uh, exclamation mark and goes off and reveals the emperor immediately before we've even uh, started the film. But this goes on to say that the first order has has kind of spread across the galaxy. There's um uh, there's only a few parts of the galaxy that are not under the the first order. Um, Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between systems. Blah blah blah. And then um, the resistance has got a secret mission. Um, uh, in the works uh, to forge freedom, led by General Leia Organa. So this sounds a bit more like typical Star Wars, where you've got that good versus evil, the First Order's oppression, closing down everything on the galaxy. You've got um, the Resistance, like the tiny pocket of hope uh, that are sending out like the... It kind of reminds you of the um, Phantom Menace, where uh, I think in the opening crawl, it's like uh, somebody's dispatched see, uh, Jedi Knights to the trade system to try and sort of sort that out. It's got that kind of vibe to it, which is really good. Uh, and then I'm just going to pick out a few of these um, uh, bits from from the original script. Uh, we had Ray disguised as a Tuscan Raider, um, and she already has her uh, double sided double sided um, lightsaber early on in the film. Um, we've got um, uh, Luke trying to convince. Um, so we've got Luke that's got like the, uh, um, the backstory stuff with Kylo Ren, more stuff going on between those two. Um, we go to, um, is it Mustafa? Uh, no, where's Vader's temple? Where's Vader's? Uh, yeah, Mustafa. Yeah, it's Mustafa. Yeah. So we go back to Mustafa and we've got stuff around the Sith holocron again, but it's more tied into Vader because that's known as his home planet and so on. Uh, we've got more stuff with Finn that we didn't have before. Uh, we've got more stuff with Luke's force ghost. Again, we only saw one scene uh, with him. If you don't count the very ending bit on, on Tatooine. So loads of stuff, dude, loads and loads of stuff, um, which is obviously a very different take on what we saw in the final film. Uh, once JJ had got hold of it and so on. So I can't read them all out, but if you read through it, 
uh, it kind of roughly pinpoints certain key elements about what Colin's film would have looked like. Um, is there any bit of you that wonders what this could have been like, dude, if it had gone through to like the final thing? Just kind of the same thought process as the, 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 the Jedi Force Ghost cameos at the end, um, that, you know, that rumour. I think there's a very high likelihood that, again, this is pretty genuine. Um, and, dude, this is the film we wanted. You this re- is reckon? the film that... Oh, mate, from my side, personally, it, this ties up nine episodes. Because, yeah, over, of course, you know, you introduce new stuff. But you get payoffs. So what I'm talking about here is Mustafar. We get a payoff. Why go to Exegol when we could just go to Mustafar and we just do the thing because we do the thing? Like, <laughs> that's all good. Like, just send us back to somewhere we know that's got heritage with Vader, which is what you've built up for the last two freaking episodes. But then there's a few things that really interest me and things that we kind of predict as well. Number one, Coruscant oh, yeah. is back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which is huge. They've got to go to the Jedi Temple to find a beacon which predates um, the Republic, the Empire, that goes back to the old Republic days. What is that beacon? This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, it's, it, it ties everything together. That's what the Jedi bloody used to stop them coming back to the Temple. And the other things as well, like when you look at The Last Jedi, you you know, he mentions the Force Ghost cameos in here, which they, they, they set up in, in The Last Jedi. But also, like, some of the payoffs. Luke Skywalker, Force Ghost, see you around, kid. When? You don't see him around. You not you don't see him around. You don't... In The Rise of Skywalker, you do not see Kylo Ren again. Mm-hmm. In this script, he's kind of haunting his ass. You know, it's a, you strike me down, I, you'll never get rid of me. And that's pretty much what he says. And this script delivers on that, because he's pulling his legs, he's, pulling, he's winding him up, he's, he's kind of, you know, uh, guess who's back? Uncle Luke. I'm here, I'm your conscience, I'm the little guy on the shoulder. And he's really kind of delivering on that. And then some of the other interesting things that I thought were were, were very, very cool um, were things like, uh, these are the things that we predicted, Mortis, like Mortis from the Clone Wars, the place that the Force is, is, is fighting continually, but probably the most balanced place because of the three beings that live there. It's just as easy to introduce something like Mortis to a new moviegoer as it is to introduce Exegol and Navarro and all these different places. But to give Mortis to the fans and save the same purpose for the non-fans, this is just a far superior film. Um, and I think there's just so much going for it. And you, this is another thing that gives it credibility as well, in my view. You said earlier on, um, Kylo apparently had a big secret. And, you know, his redemption arc and also that relationship with Ray at the end would have had more impact had his big secret been revealed. Well, in this script, it's reported that he killed Ray's parents. So it just, it all ties together. Like, I think there's a damn good chance that this is genuine. And dude, this film would have been so interesting. And the Emperor is back, but he's doing it. This is, uh, this is I find this a very interesting point. You know, we said that the Rise of Skywalker brings the Emperor down to just a Hammer House horror villain, whereas the six episodes prior to that, in particular the prequels and the Return of the Jedi, he's this conniving, weaseling little, you know, oh, look at that, he's manipulating everything. We said that he he would have had a plan for everything. 
This delivers on that. So the Emperor's back, but he's not back in, I guess. He was back. I'm tied to this machine. No explanation. <laughs> it's a, you found a holocron, which is for Vader, that gives you instructions, and this is the sitch. Like, I'm the Emperor. I've always got a backup. This is how I can come back. But it's delivered in such a better light. And it's it's narratively ties together The Last Jedi. Because I watched The Last Jedi again last night, and, you know, that whole Legend of Luke Skywalker... And the whole inspiring hope and, you know, you want me to go out and face down the First Order with a laser sword, which is is exactly what inspires the rest of the galaxy and rebuilds the rebellion. Like, this pays off on that. You know, you've got people running into the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. You've got, it, it's, it feels just so much like the third part of a trilogy as opposed to what we got, you know? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that, mate. And... uh on one hand, I do feel like Kylo slash Ben's story was pretty good in in The Rise of Skywalker. I really like he was one of the best things about that film. There is an essence of more sort of conflict within him with this other script, which I feel would have worked a lot better. So there's a scene apparently where uh, on before he leaves to go to uh, Coruscant, he he takes Vader's mask or head, whatever. And he says, you know, you allowed love to cloud your judgment. And he just launches the helmet off the balcony and it shatters somewhere, which is a real kind of departure from his, because in the lead up to that, he was always very much, you know, grandfather, tell me what to do, you know, give me guidance sort of thing. But now he's like, you know, you allowed yourself to be taken off of the path. If you're like, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to take your guidance anymore, that kind of thing. And then we also had a, 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 a better task for the sub characters as well. So apparently we had a group of characters, which was Rose, Finn, Arta and 3PO. They were going off to Coruscant to actually turn on the beacon underneath the, uh, the Jedi temple. And then you had the other guys, which was Ray, Poe and Chewie. They were going off to, it doesn't specify the planet, but they were going off to help Ray to figure out what she has to do to defeat Kylo. And uh, as an offshoot of that, the emperor, I suppose. Uh, so that makes more sense as well. For, from the supporting character side of things. Uh, and then the way the whole thing ties up with um, Ray and Kylo on Mortis, like you said, um, with all the force energy and all that kind of stuff. And then the Luke, Obi-Wan and Yoda force ghosts, they try and help Ben, but they can't quite get through to him, but he then ends up, you know, dying anyway. So yeah. And the whole thing about him killing Ray's parents, the whole thing just sounds like a much bigger, uh, just the consequences are a lot higher. The stakes are higher. And when you do that, you've got that, you're rooting for people a lot more. It's like, shit, what's, what's going to happen to Kylo? And you're like, God, come on guys. He's going to, you know, otherwise you're going to be done for. So yeah, I reckon a script could have been the one dude. Obviously he needs a bit of tweaking, but could have been pretty cool. Yeah. The out the story outline is far better than the rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. uh, that we got because it just, it, it, like I said, it feels like everything has paid off. You know, it feels like it's part of a trilogy. There's argument that Force Awakens and The Last Jedi don't feel like part of the same trilogy, but then, you know, New Hope and Empire, arguably they don't feel like the same. And then, you know, yeah. Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, you know, the time jump, and it's a very, the very different films. And it's always up to the third one in the trilogy to pull it all together. Um, and this feels like it really could have done that. And, and really, and I mean actually serve the fans. You know, when we did our first review... We said, 
why not serve the fans? If you're going to go fan service, really go fan service because no one else, if you're not a fan, you don't care what the planet's called. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just give it to us, you Mm -hmm. know, the fans. And I feel like this is, yeah, such a, such a, 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 a massive potential. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a shame if that is the case. Yeah, no, Rija. And apparently the title for episode nine would have been Duel of the Fates, which is a... <laughs> do you know what? That's kind of cheesy, but there's make no mistake, every time, you just did it yourself, every single time you had a group of people talking about Star Wars and one of them said, what are your views on Duel of the Fates? Everyone would start going... It's just oozes Star Wars. You know, old Johnny Williams just... Yeah, it would have been cool, man. Anyways, that's another thing we won't see. That and the JJ cut are going to be buried in the vaults of Disney somewhere, I'm sure. I think this brings us nicely up to the discussion section in a bit as well. I'm sure we'll revisit some of this stuff because it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's all part of that, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, let me just rattle through this last story very quickly. Apparently, um, at the end of Rise of Skywalker, um, when, uh, when Ben is healing Ray at the very end. Uh, apparently he impregnates her and she's pregnant with twins, settles down on Tatooine, game over, happily ever after. Quick yes or no? No chance. That's what I thought. Apparently the way he you places know, his hand and where he puts his hand when he's healing her is, yeah. But that just gives it a creepy edge to me, and that doesn't feel right. It feels like those two genuine, genuinely um, had a connection at the end there. This makes it a bit more seedy, a bit more creepy. Oh, dude, no way on earth are Disney putting putting um, that into a movie. No <laughs> way. In, a, in, a, in, in, in 2019, when it came out, from Disney, not a chance is someone getting impregnated without their consent, and rightly bloody so. No, that's what I thought. I thought you'd be... On me with that one, yep. So there we go. Ray is not pregnant. That would be silly and creepy. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy, boy. Right, review and discussion. We've had this um, kind of lingering around for a couple of weeks. We just haven't had time to, to dive into it. But uh, now that Rise of Skywalker's been and gone and it's still, the dust has settled a little bit, uh, this was something you put in, dude, and I was quite intrigued by this. Uh, it's based off of a, a story that you found out there in on the interwebs. Uh, essentially, Rise of Skywalker um, is supposedly the last chance to revive the Disney era of Star Wars. Um, but do the fans still care enough for them to try and do that? And does anybody really care about Star Wars anymore? Now, I would argue that... Uh, Potentially they do because we have things like the Mandalorian and the upcoming animated shows. And I think people really are into, into those and everyone's clearly looking forward to the Obi-Wan series. So I would say that just off the bat, uh, people do care. Uh, I just think there's a, a very, there's a, a, a fly in the ointment, if you like, with a lot of people's views on the Disney side of things where it concerns the mainstream films. Uh, so we've seen the backlash that came forward from The Last Jedi. That was evident um, through a lot of fandom. And then we also had, in the run-up to The Rise of Skywalker, everybody saying, you know, this is going to be awful, this is going to be amazing, blah, blah, blah. And it ended up being kind of middle of the road, I think we can all agree on. Uh, and that was due to certain things like 
damage control a little bit from The Last Jedi, um, a little bit of backlash from from that, and then as an offshoot solo and stuff. And, uh, and then we had things where people were talking about franchise fatigue for a little while, so they cancelled a bunch of spin-off films. Uh, and then we had Disney essentially turning on fans a little bit, saying, you know, it's your fault that you don't like it, <laughs> uh, sort of thing. It's, you know, if you if if you don't like our Star Wars films, then um then you know, go and watch some other films. There's there's lots of sci-fi and us as a as a production company, as a studio, pr- produce lots of good films you can watch. If you don't like our Star Wars, then then go and do that. We're not gonna dive into a toxic fan base and start stirring the pot. So if you don't like it, you don't like it, it's fine go and watch something else. Uh, so it all kind of culminated with the rise of Skywalker It had a lot of pressure on it, had to do well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, uh, so for me, yes, I think people do care. I think star Wars is just a lasting thing. And there's been so much good stuff over the years that in my opinion, that outweighs some of the hiccups that we've had, especially in the sequel trilogy. So I think people do care, especially star Wars fans. They're eager to see more stuff. And with the upcoming old Republic, supposedly films in the work and stuff. I think that could be awesome. So do you care, buddy? Do you, did, did you, do you think that, uh, it was, it was Disney's last chance to revive star Wars? Or do you think it's just, like I said, a bit of a hiccup and we've got cooler stuff to come? I think it's a difficult one. I think obviously people care about star Wars, the feeling and star Wars, the brand, and Star Wars, the the idea, people obviously care about that. That's why The Mandalorian did so well. And I've got no doubt the Kenobi show will do all right because of it. I think the challenge that, that, that Disney have got is that, you know, it's what you said. If you don't like our Disney films, and that's the challenge, is that Star Wars was never ours in terms of a corporation. It was George Lucas making it everyone's. And I think that's the difference with the corporate, the, the corporate um, purchase, is that... Sure, Lucasfilm's a corporation, but it's run by George Lucas. You know, the, he, he will always put, regardless whether you like it or not, he will always put the story of Star Wars ahead of everything else. Um, and there's a lot of reports out there, you know, over the last week or so that say the prequel trilogy, for as much as you can deride it and as much as you might not like it, it did one thing much better than the sequel trilogy, which is tell a story. And I think that's the thing that people still love about Star Wars, is the story. You know, Star Wars in its... In its in its most simple light, if you look at A New Hope, it's just a very simple hero's journey story. Like there's nothing complex about it. You know, it's got a bit of Jap- Japanese kind of old school Japanese kind of uh, samurai approach to it. It's got kind of a little bit of kind of western to it. It's got the standard hero's journey. Like it's not a complex film, but what it is is it's like it's a film for those that want to dream about things. You know, it's the twin sons, not the single sons. It's the robots instead of the people. It's the little critters, the little creatures. And I think it, it, it just doesn't... Disney's era of Star Wars, with the exception of The Mandalorian, hopefully some of the new stuff, doesn't feel Star Wars. Like, it doesn't feel like our Star Wars. And when I say that, I don't mean... It doesn't feel like the Star Wars that I grew up with. That's not what I'm talking about when I say it doesn't feel like our Star Wars. What I'm saying is it it doesn't feel inclusive. It doesn't feel like it's this is made for us. It's made to sell to us. And that's a big, big difference. Um, so I think The Rise of Skywalker was... I don't think it's Disney's last chance to reap the benefits of Star Wars. And I think people do care about it. But I think they've got a lot of redemption to do in really understanding what fan service is. Like, if you think about Disney over overall, 
they've got such a huge pedigree of things, but what they've not got is massive franchises. You know, Marvel was doing all right before Disney bought them. They got on the back of that. They acquired talent in Feige and, you know, even Jeff Loeb on the TV front. They acquired um, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Like, all, all that was there. And Disney didn't really do anything except finance it, budget it, and make for the money. You know, and, and Feige did all that. And, and the directors, you know, Watiti and all those guys, they did that job. And bef- so before Star Wars, like, what franchises did they have that held the weight of something like a Star Wars or a Marvel or a DC Universe. They didn't have anything. They didn't have characters that weren't cartoony. You know, Mickey Mouse, sure, great. You know, all the characters that they had, they're 100 years old, but they don't come with mythology. They don't come with any kind of depth. Do you know what I mean? It's like you never say, wait a second, why is Mickey going there? He didn't go there 10 years ago when he did that other canon Mm -hmm. thing. And I think that's what they acquired and maybe that's the thing they didn't understand. So when I'm saying our Star Wars, I think they, they forgot about the mythology. And even if they reset it, which they did, all the extended universe stuff, they just forgot that it has to all connect and talk to each other and it's got to fulfil the same feelings that every other piece of Star Wars has fulfilled. And I think that's what they got wrong, dude. Yeah, indeedy. I think... Um I think arguably, though, the only sort of big thing that they had that they could relate to in terms of a big franchise is the Pirates of the Caribbean films and that whole uh, Captain Jack's, you know, so they've had big characters. I mean, I'm talking outside of Marvel. So they've had Mm -hmm. big characters and big franchises and stuff, but those were things that were born out of, um, well, they they weren't born out of a, a legacy of, you know, 50 odd years, 40, 50 years, whatever it was. Uh, whereas something like, you mentioned that George Lucas was basically Lucasfilm. And one thing that uh, I kind of feel like I, I keep thinking about this a lot is that you mentioned that it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And you made a very good point about when you say Star Wars, not as in um, personally, uh, it felt like it was being sold to us rather than here's like our story that's, you know, that we've been brought up with together and we, you know, we make him with you. It felt like there was just too much, too much drama involved in getting it, you know, to a state that it is now. And all of that, all of that shit that we all went through, it just feels like the the end result should have been a lot better in quality in terms of story writing than it, than it was. Because uh, you think back to the OT and even the prequels, George Lucas essentially said to anybody, look, if you don't like this storyline, there's the door. You know, if you don't like what I'm doing, and, that, you know, we, you can always look at things objectively. There's always the case that, you know, if George Lucas had listened a little bit more to some of the creative people around him, then there could have been slightly better decisions made in the prequels. But when... <laughs> When you look at the prequels now, it's like, you know, they're all good. You know, they're all good. So, but I think there was just so much drama, like this director doesn't like that. So instead of standing his ground and and being like, look, this is what we're going to do because this is going to be awesome. You've got all these other people that are like, no, we don't want to upset anyone and we don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So, you know, you got, we're going to have to fire you and this other person comes in to mop up the mess. They can't give their proper vision because they haven't got time to do it. They're just, you know, a bit of a tag team going on. So it feels to me like 
fans have always been like, yeah, we love Star Wars. We care about Star Wars, but it just hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been handled with the, I'm not saying that George Lucas just went like steamrolled things through. It did to a degree, but it just felt like there wasn't anybody strong enough within Lucasfilm to do that. And although Kathleen Kennedy says that she is, and she's got that pedigree, she's like produced some of the best, highest grossing films for decades. I still feel like we needed like a second George Lucas to just grab it by the scruff of the neck and just say, look, this is what we're doing. Even if we hated the idea of midichlorians, even if we hated the idea of the Jedi being shrunken down into sort of miniature, whatever, that was his storyline. If that was it, that was it, you know, back in the OT, that was what we were doing. And, uh, and I thought that I, th- I think that's what the driving force was, which made it so successful. So yeah, man, I feel like Disney have still got work to do. Fortunately for them, the stuff that they've got in the Disney plus stuff, I think is working really well and is going to be awesome. So they've got that in their favor. And with Ewan McGregor coming back for Obi-Wan and whatever else they've got planned, I think that's in their favor and that's keeping people going. But in terms of films, I do think like they've got, they've got some work to do to create that confidence. Because basically you want your fans to be like, dude, there's a new Star Wars film coming next year. It's going to be the shit, you know, and everyone's going to look forward to it and everyone knows that it's going to be, not everyone's going to love it, but it's going to be amazing. With the sequel trilogy, everyone's like, well, I'm not going to like it. I already know I'm not going to like it because I didn't like The Last Jedi and the synopsis for this one says to me I'm not going to like it. So, yeah. I think the fans care, but they've got work to do, dude. And, and and an interesting point with that that you made is that, yeah, they've got a lot going for them with Obi-Wan, they've got a lot going for them with The Mandalorian, all the Disney Plus stuff that they've got going on is all good. But what's the common theme throughout all of that stuff? Whether it's Clone Wars, whether it's Mandalorian, whether it's Obi-Wan, it's stuff that we recognise. So that's easy. Like, this is the thing. Yeah, Kathleen Kennedy has produced mega budget, mega box office movies. But Star Wars, you stick a logo on it and do the right thing, it's going to make a billion dollars anyway. So it's it's almost a guarantee that it's going to hit the billion dollar mark. So it, it, that's not the thing that you're striving for. Like if you make Jumanji, and the, like The Rock will, you know, that guy turns up to the opening of a crisp packet, he will do anything. <laughs> so you, you stick The Rock in it and you think, oh, if this makes a billion... This is pretty sweet. Now, that's a mega success. With Star Wars, it's a given that it should make a billion. So that's like not the benchmark. The benchmark is, is this the best version of this movie that we could possibly do? Which means that the next movie will make two billion. And it's, that's, I think, what they've missed. You know, maybe that's an interesting interesting thing that you mentioned. You know, the whole, she, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and that, that, that team, they have produced these franchises and they've produced movies that have gone on to do really, really well but they've been trying to make them do well. Whereas with Star Wars, you've just got to try to make a good Star Wars movie. It's the same thing with James Bond. You know, you stick James Bond on a, on a poster at Cineworld, it's going to do all right at the box office. So all you've got to do is concentrate on making the best Bond film. You know, that's why this new era of Bond, you know, Quantum of Solace notwithstanding, has been really well received. You know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's told good James Bond stories. And... I do think that's maybe one of the issues that they've had is that they've just not understand what it takes 
or, or how to measure the success of a Star Wars movie um, outside of revenue, because that's all the you know that's all they're in for. Which fair enough, they're a corp. That's what they got to do. You know, Bob Iger's you know he's, he's spent his money, he wants to make it back. Um, but I think that's where they've just not really understood the fandom, because it's like buying a house, and you know it comes with it comes with a, you know a pile of chickens, and you got to learn about those chickens. You got to learn about the fans. That's what we are. We're the chickens. We're the people in the coop. We're laying the eggs. We're doing all the good stuff. We're like we're the the lifeblood of it. We're the things that make the garden interesting and make it fun to go outside. And like we, you know, we're the people that bring the life to the house. And so they've acquired this house and not understood what it is that's making it so lively and so interesting and so passionate. And they've just gone out. Ah, be all right. The chickens will look after themselves. Fans will be all right. They'll, doesn't we chuck them any old food? Doesn't matter. And, you know, we're, we're just thinking this is absolute crap. So I think that's the problem that they've got. And I also think they didn't have the balls, man. I think that's where Filoni or Lucas could have really helped is that, you know, they got beat up a little bit for, for Force Awakens being derivative of A New Hope. Fine, we can live with that. First in a trilogy, you've got to kick things back off. It's got to feel familiar. All well and good. You know, you can even argue these guys are neo-Nazis. So, of course, it's going to be a little bit derivative. Um... What you've then got to understand is that it's it's interesting to see that they weren't able to service those who loved or hated The Last Jedi. So they went completely the other way and were like, we're going to do something totally different because they battered us for The Force Awakens in certain circles. Let's go different with it. We got battered for that one. So The Rise of Skywalker, like we mentioned in the review, is <laughs> it's just like this middle ground that they didn't have the balls to go either way. Um... Which is a crying shame because the last Jedi left some amazing threads. That could have could have been could have been the Rise of Skywalker could have been the film that made the fandom love the Last Jedi. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, and I think just like Revenge of the Sith makes all the other ones better. You know what I mean? Exactly that. Yeah, I think you make a good point there because you mentioned it before it came out as well. You said that when you see this as a trilogy or especially when you watch when you get to the end of the rise of skywalker you you'll definitely appreciate the last jedi more because you know for that very reason that you know revenge of the sith makes the other ones it rises the bar up a little bit for those as well um but yeah you make a good point as well with um you know the fact that they didn't have the balls to to really execute something that was either going to just change the game just like blow everything you've seen so far out the water. And actually this is what these are who Ray's parents are. And these are all the freaking force ghosts that are going to help her. And Rilo's actually, uh, sorry, Rilo, <laughs> Kylo's actually, um, you know, this complete and utter badass. And then right at the end, when you think he's going to come to the, over to the light side and have some redemption, you know, this sort of big reveal comes. you know, there are all these things, you know, things that we just noted in the, the Colin Trevorrow script, they could have elevated the, all, all of the storyline to this much higher emotional impact throughout the film. But like you said, it just cruised along at this kind of middle ground. I mean, don't go wrong. It's not, a, I've said this before. It's not a terrible film at all. It just didn't push itself hard enough to give you that payoff. So I think fans, you know, are really going to start to, I think it'll be good now that with this one's out the way. I don't mean to sort of rubbish the, the trilogy or anything, but now it's out the way. People can focus on the new stuff coming and just have a bit of a bit of a kitchen floor reset. You know, you've 
broken down in front of the fridge with a glass of wine. You've cried your eyes out. Now let's sort of recoup, dust off, and um, and push forward. So, and one of the sad it, things about it, sorry to jump in, one of the sad right. things about it is that the if you look at the Rise of Skywalker visual dictionary, like that is already making the movie better because it's filling the plot points in. And I think that might be a misstep for Disney as well, is that they know that the real fans, you know, the deep down mythological loving fans like you and I will read all the books. So in three years' time, we'll appreciate The Rise of Skywalker. I'm going to stake money on it. We will appreciate The Rise of Skywalker more because we'll have read, read 10 books and 50 comic lines that fill all the gaps in, that do the job of making it better. The, the same job that The Rise of Skywalker would have done for certain parts of the fandom for The Last Jedi. You know, We will appreciate that more because we'll be able to see, okay, in this, in this complete montage of Kylo going to Mustafar, and then going here, and then getting this Sith Wayfinder. Like, in that period of time, we've read three books, so that bit is fine for us now, because we can connect the dots in mm-hmm. our head. And that, it feels, number one, pointless. It feels, number two, a little bit exploitative on, on, on Disney's side, you know, to make us need to spend that money. And number three, I think it just, I think it points to, like, lazy filmmaking. Just this, right, okay, we need to progress the plot from here to here, so we'll just do all this stuff. Oh, we'll fill in the gaps later. We'll get to that later. We'll sort that later. We'll just get. We'll just advance our plot. Doesn't matter if they don't get it. They're not going to notice. You know they won't. They won't remember. So that's. I think <laughs> that's the. Th- that's a huge thing that I think they're relying on is this multimedia age, which we touched on last week, um, mm-hmm. when we talked about that cross media kind of um, content strategy that it appears that they're going to be taking with with some of the new stuff. So. Yeah. I think what you said is perfect. You know, you draw a line under it. Like you said, you're broken down. You've had a kitchen floor job. You're broken down. You know, you've spilt your milk. And, you know, now you've got to get up and you've got to fix it. And you've got to, you've got to try and mop all that stuff up and just make the best of it. Indeedy, yeah. And I think um, one of the biggest things that I'm actually looking forward to over the next however many years is there's bound to be a book or a comic book series or something around the end of Return of the Jedi how the Emperor survived, and all of that backstory, building the fleet, creating Snoke, pulling the strings, that's untapped. There's like, there's at least a trilogy of books for the Emperor in that time period. So I'm looking forward. They must be thinking about that because the reveal was so rushed and it was so, you know, it just felt so rushed and like, oh yeah, I wanted to, I wanted a bit more of a build up, but you know, okay, he's back. Cool, cool. And the thing is as well, the writers of those books are normally much more in-universe. You know, if you get, you, you normally get a writer, or I'll, I'll go at it from a different angle, coming from a different angle. You um, generally see the writers of the books having written previous Star Wars books. So they get either the canonicity of things, or at least they get the world and the sandbox that they're playing in. Even if they've done legend stuff, you know, that John Jackson Miller, he did some very, very new stuff. I can't remember the ones that he did, uh, but he's done some new stuff. But then he did Kenobi which was just immediately prior to um, the, the the legend stuff being wiped out. And so those writers tend to get the universe more. It's, it's like that old Kevin Smith kind of, um, it's not a saying, but the way he always goes on about like with DC and Warner Brothers, let the, let the comic writers and the book writers that play in this sandbox every day, let them at least write the first treatment for the movie and at least plot the story out, and at least give you the fan service bits, because they know what matters. They can mm-hmm. see it, because they're in the sandbox every day, whereas Trevor o, Abrams, 
you know, he's off. They're off doing the next thing. You know, Jurassic World. They're off doing bloody Entourage or whatever JJ does these days. You know, so <laughs> it's sure it's two or three years of someone's life, but for an author, they're living that. Mm-hmm. They are living it, and it. You know, it, I, th- I I think so many franchises make that mistake of not, and I don't understand why they don't at least say, write me a book about what you would write as the last the last film in this trilogy. Just write this as a book. Outline the book as you normally would, and then let we'll do the movie stuff. But you just do that for us. I don't get it. I don't know why they don't do that. Yeah, at least pay people. They've got enough money. At least pay people to come up with a a, a concept or a screenplay or something. You just got a pool of talent there. You're right. Yep. Yeah, dude. Oh well, we'll see. I mean, it's it's an inter- It's going to be an interesting time. I think this is sort of the you know. It's like when you have an argument with your parents. You're like, okay, the next. Next couple of days are going to be tentative. Like, we're going to see how that goes. Let's just see how the land lies. Like, the next couple of years for Star Wars is that. Like, let's see how the land lies. And, and yeah. they've got they've got to do something to keep the fandom engaged. But to answer the question, I'm with you, dude. I think people care enough about it. And I think there's enough in the brand and in the, in the feelings. Um, not just the nostalgic feelings, but the introdu- introduction of the characters to new audience, like my nephew and, um, you know, people that are, are not in Star Wars. There's enough there for people to care. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. There definitely is. Absolutely, bud. And uh, yeah, we've we've waffled on for quite a while there, dude. It was good to get the review and discussion back in, but that does ultimately mean I think we're going to run short for the random spotlight again. So yeah, I think we're going to have to stick a pin in there, dude, and wrap for episode 39. That was episode 39. Thank you so much for uh, sticking with us and listening as always. Any long-time listeners since we've started, it's great to have you with us as always. Any newbies, welcome aboard. It's great to have you uh, on the show. Next week for episode 40, we'll try, like I said, get to the random spotlight. But uh, yeah, I think from now on, we're probably going to start ramping up stuff as we get into the new trilogy stuff and see what happens with Ryan Johnson's trilogy and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, and any new games and that are coming out and Mark you know he's got a bloody physical library and a Kindle library that would you know a lot of Waterstones would be envious of so I'm sure we'll have a lot of book stuff coming up as well in the meantime uh, head over to our website we've got a a website of all of our shows on there you can listen to every episode back to episode one which is sparkofrebellion.com we're also on all of the podcast uh, apps and networks so just do a search for Spark of Rebellion give us a sub over there so you don't miss a show when it lands every Saturday, we're also on the socials as well Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion, you'll find us on there. We chat Star Wars and post little bits during the week in between the shows. So give us a, a follow over there and get involved in that community, it's all very cool. And if you like what we do here, head over to patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. You can uh, donate from a dollar upwards. Uh, all the way up to tiers that give you executive producer credits and all that jazz and you can get some sweet SOR swag and uh, a welcome note and all that stuff then we'd really appreciate your support over there and thanks to our patrons who currently support the show uh, it's been good chewing the fat dude on Star Wars as always uh, we deep dived a little bit there on the, the fan stuff and Rise of Skywalker always good always a pleasure Alan thanks for having me it's, uh, it's always fun um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see what the next couple of months hold so I'm sure we'll be 
<laughs> we're probably running short on time every other episode because we do seem to just be finding more and more news and opinions and views as we uh, as we dig a bit deeper into everything so yeah loving it my man thanks for having us as always buddy we'll see you guys next week for episode 40 until then take care of yourselves and may the force be with you always